This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fit the Mission. Deep breath, everyone. It's election day. There's a lot at stake in this year's midterm elections, both locally and nationally. We'll find out if San Francisco voters want to keep controversial politicians in office, like District Attorney Brooke Jenkins, and who Oakland voters want as their new mayor. Nationally, all eyes are on Congress. Will Republicans win back control of both the House and Senate as they're favored to? While our newsroom stays busy covering the results of the midterms, we wanted to turn our attention to the people who are ensuring that the democratic process of elections takes place. People like this guy. My name is Tommy Gong, and I'm the chief deputy clerk recorder for Contra Costa County. Poll workers and election officials have had it hard in recent years. Gong's been an elections official for almost two decades. He loves his job. My first major election was a governor recall of 2003. That was the one that Arnold Schwarzenegger was on the ballot. And I caught the election bug. That's what they call it. And in elections, you either love it or hate it. And if you hate it, you're not going to last very long. If you love it, you thrive on the planning, the voter interest, the voter turnout. And that's essentially what happened to me. Gong was working in San Luis Obispo as the elected county clerk recorder when the 2020 presidential election took place. And no surprise now, that election was different. There were some telltale signs. There were conservative rallies that were taking place with a caravan of vehicles that would drive through the county, for example. They blocked the traffic of being able to go into a voting location. And so we had to call the highway patrol and, you know, get them moving along so that they wouldn't block the entrance to that particular location. Even with those disruptions, Gong was confident that his county held a well-run election. But then it was months later that I received a request from our local Republican Party to perform a what they called a forensic audit. And I didn't really know what that entailed, but we got the feeling that they wanted to have access to our voting system. They wanted to image our hard drives. Gong informed them that that wasn't allowed by California law. And then the angry pushback began. San Luis Obispo County officials, including Gong, became the target of an email campaign that flooded their inboxes. Then things escalated. But when I was driving to work one morning and heard this radio ad that, you know, basically Tommy Gong doesn't care about elections, and it's like, you've got to be kidding me that, you know, they've have gone to this length, stooped to these lows to trying to discredit me, to try to discredit the election. Trying to discredit Gong went even further than an ad campaign. It came in the form of a hateful accusation during the public comments of a board of supervisors meeting. One person just said out of the blue, you know, I wonder if Tommy Gong is a member of the Chinese Communist Party. I had two other staff members with me and it was like, did we hear that correctly? You know, is that really what someone said? And so it just kind of blew us away. As I've told the public before, I'm a third generation 
Chinese American, uh, don't even know how to speak Chinese, to be honest. And so I'm as American as can be. So it really did kind of concern me. That concern extended to Gong's family. I have two young boys at the time. And, you know, I talked with them just because as we were hearing about, you know, some of this violence happening towards Asian Americans, I just wanted to be sure that they were cognizant and aware of their surroundings. Being aware of their surroundings is something that many election workers now have to do, especially during this midterm election. Alternate reality conspiracy theories like the big lie of 2020, you know the one, that the presidential election was stolen from President Donald Trump, have escalated hostility that's driving election workers to quit their jobs. Tommy Gong is staying put. He has his post in Contra Costa County, and now he's advocating for further protections for workers like himself. Today on Fifth Emission, Chronicle reporter Shwanika Narayan is here to talk about how the undermining of work by election officials is undermining democracy itself. She'll share what's been happening to election officials this year, and we'll also hear more from Gong, who will share the new strategies he's put in place to increase awareness of the elections process to voters. What did he learn from 2020, and will it be enough? Here's my conversation with Chronicle reporter Shwanika Narayan. So, Shwanika, political violence and continued disinformation has been really top of mind for all of us as we've approached the midterms. How have authorities evaluated the threat facing election officials and workers at this moment? Yes, yeah, so it's pretty dire. After the 2020 elections and the January 6th insurrection, the FBI and the Department of Justice launched a task force last July, specifically to track and examine threats against election workers. And in the years since that launch, they've reviewed more than a thousand threats to workers, and they deemed at least 11% of that worthy of a criminal investigation. So these are like threats against people's lives, death threats, racist, all of it. There are measures being put in place to protect election workers at the same time, uh, strengthen the public confidence in the voting process. There's now a a form workers can fill out to report threats and intimidation that the FBI and DOJ are tracking. And in California, Governor Gavin Newsom signed SB 1131 in September, which allows election workers and other government employees to enroll in programs to keep their addresses and other personal information confidential. Mm -hmm. And what have local election officials faced already with these midterms? What have you learned by talking to people for your story? Former President Donald Trump and his allies made unsubstantiated claims that there was widespread election fraud when they disputed uh, President Joe Biden's victory in 2020. They cited claims around fake ballots, rigged voting machines, and just corrupt election officials, which have been thoroughly debunked, by the way, by the Justice Department and numerous other sort of like bipartisan consortiums over the, the two years. Before 2020, the work of an election worker, while super important, was actually pretty low profile. (laughs) And, you know, and after that year, most election workers found themselves to be the subjects of conspiracy theories with their personal information, their family's information spread online. Many suffered sort of like unrelenting harassment and verbal and physical abuse. So some of the ways this sort of manifests on the local levels is that we'll have residents or voters themselves go to the polls to observe where they might engage in hackling some other voters that are there uh, casting their ballots and also just picking fights with election officials. Michael Borja, who I spoke to from the Santa Clara County's Register of Voters Office, said that, you know, he's been yelled at because people have asked him to install 
cameras right next to voting booths, which would be a violation of that voter's privacy. And when he's sort of pushed back against it, he's been met with a lot of threats and just intimidation in general. Another example would be what's happening in Arizona, which has uh, Maricopa County, which was a hot battleground state for the 2020 elections. We had an arrest last month. The FBI made an arrest of an Iowa man, Mark Rissi, who threatened to kill election officials in in Arizona's Maricopa County. And, you know, he was pretty explicit and in, in described how he would do that. So we're seeing a lot of these kinds of very real threats that mm-hmm. election workers are saying is just making their jobs really hard to do. Mm-hmm. And of course, that's contributing to this unfortunate trend we're seeing where election officials are quitting. In fact, a recent survey found that one in five election officials plan to quit before the 2024 election. So what does that mean for voters and our democratic processes? Yeah, you know, the result is that there aren't that many people willing to do this job anymore. Mm-hmm. Many election workers are are resigning and they're citing burnout and, and worries about their safety and their family's safety. They're leaving their jobs in extraordinary numbers, and they've seen a barrage of threats levied against them. In many cases, these threats are fueled by disinformation. And some of the democracy experts I spoke to say that this is deeply troubling. And it's a real loss for voters, really, because experienced election officials are critical in running elections and ensuring important voter education. Mm-hmm. It takes a really long time to like properly learn how to do this job, and it's not a role that can be filled sort of very quickly. Right. And Tommy Gong, the chief deputy clerk recorder for Contra Costa County, who we heard from earlier, he spoke about this exodus of election officials. Let's hear what he had to say about it. It's really the brain trust of the election office that moves it forward. So it's not only the number one person, but number two, number three, number four, collectively, that, you know, drives that elections office forward. And so by losing one of them, you're losing 20 you know, 40% of your brain trust. And so that's something that's important to, to consider for these offices around that are losing their leadership. We'll hear more from Tommy Gong after a quick break. Chronicle reporter Shwanika Narayan will share how he's trying to increase education about the election process in the Bay Area. She'll also talk about the litigation efforts that Republicans have organized around these midterm elections. We'll be right back. You can support the newsroom that creates Fifth Emission by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory... Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Shwanika Narayan, retaining election officials like Tommy Gong is going to be really important, especially since they have the experience from 2020 to implement new strategies to educate people about the election process what new efforts have taken place during the midterms? Well, first, it's it's really hard to fight against misinformation, which is false and inaccurate information, and disinformation, which is 
false information that's deliberately meant to mislead. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yes, there are efforts underway to address it. In the Bay Area, for example, the Coalition of Bay Area Elected Officials is a cross-county group that Tommy Gong helped to launch. It really dawned on me that why don't we work together collectively, collaborate with our messaging, because we're all doing the same job. Why don't we band together so that we can have unified messaging in terms of communicating with the public and with the media? And so that was something we started for the June election. We put together fact sheets and simultaneously we would release press releases. They recently had a campaign uh, in which a YouTube video sort of charted the path of the ballot. And in it, uh, registrars answer questions such as, you know, what safeguards are in place to prevent double voting? How are drop boxes secured? How does signature verification work? If a ballot is unreadable by the counting machine, what happens next? So these are kinds of questions that are in that video, which they've sort of like pasted front and center on all the Register of Voter Counties websites. It's also part of their email campaigns, and they are also going door to door, giving out this information for their voter education outreach. Now, instead of just our 700,000 voters in Contra Costa, the work that we're doing with the coalition is serving 4.3 million voters in the Bay Area. So it really makes me feel that my work is really, you know, resonating even more so throughout the Bay Area. We're seeing more of these types of local jurisdiction approaches to increase public awareness about the election process and to debunk misinformation. Now, whether it's enough, we will find out. (laughs) Mm, That's right. Now, former President Trump and many of his followers are holding fast to the argument that the 2020 election was stolen. It's called the big lie. And that has also resulted in the midterm elections facing more than 100 lawsuits, many of which are driven by Republicans. Can you tell me a little bit about these litigation efforts? What are they targeting exactly? Yes. So Trump's failed election challenges sort of set a precedent for this kind of disinformation feedback loop, right, which is used by Republican-controlled legislators to sort of justify new voting restrictions Mm -hmm. to really address non-existent problems, by the way. And these are legal challenges actually largely led by Republicans targeting rules for things like mail-in voting, early voting, voting registration. But unlike the 2020 elections, where Trump and his allies haphazardly challenged the election outcome with very little preparation. This time around, for the midterms, there's a more organized effort led by the Republican national community, the RNC. So the Associated Press, for example, reports that this time around, it's more formalized, more well-funded, well-organized. And together with the RNC, there's other legal allies like the America First Legal Organization, which is run by former Trump advisor Stephen Miller. Republican Party officials say that they're preparing for recounts, they're ready to contest elections and sort of prepare for more litigation. Mm -hmm. And they also have thousands of volunteers ready to go, ready to challenge ballots and uh, search for evidence of fraud. So this is how they're preparing to, to go into the midterms. Now, we know that this kind of distrust in election outcomes, as well as far-right political movements, isn't just happening in the U.S. We're seeing it, you know, in places like France, Israel, Italy. But what do experts say is unique about what's happening here in the U.S.? So one of the democracy experts, my editor, Rahim Hosseini, who worked with me on this story, spoke to was UC Berkeley political science professor Susan Hyde. And she noted that America's dilemma was unique because of the Republican Party's role in perpetuating that distrust. 
In her own words, she said, it's very hard for democracy to function if one party is really attacking the institution and the rules of the game itself, right? And and she's saying that the Republican Party has really embraced these narratives. And, and by narratives, I mean, like all the conspiracy theories that are out there. Mm-hmm. And this is a problem because we're seeing a rise in political violence. It's not just rhetoric. It's not just online fights. You know, we saw this happen in January 6th. We've seen other numerous examples. And more recently, the October 28th attack on Democratic House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's husband was by a man who embraced right-wing conspiracy theories. Now, you mentioned something that Governor Gavin Newsom is trying to do to protect election workers. Is there more that local governments or Congress can do to help not just protect election workers, but also retain them since so many of them want to quit? The election workers I've spoken to say that there needs to be more dedicated streams of funding for elections, resources like more voter education and outreach, but not just for people who are eligible to vote. There really needs to be an education uh, teaching young children, for example, about how American democracy works. So it's an Mm -hmm. all around effort. A lot of election workers would like to also see more visible security measures at polling places. So more law enforcement, more security guards in place because they really are scared for their lives. There isn't a clear or an easy answer for this, unfortunately. But I think what we can expect is to continue seeing challenges to to voting and civil rights wins that have been hard fought over the last 50 years or so. And efforts to protect election workers could could also be in jeopardy. Shwanika Narayan, thank you so much for your reporting. I appreciate you taking the time to speak to me about it. Thanks, Cecilia. Great talking to you. Shwanika Narayan covers business on the Chronicle's race and equity team. Find her story about election officials on sfchronicle.com and on the Chronicle app. It was co-reported with editor Rahim Hosseini. Also, be sure to check out sfchronicle.com and the Chronicle app for our ongoing coverage of the midterm elections results. We'll have more election coverage on Fifth Emission tomorrow. My co-host, Damian Bulwa, will chat with It's All Political's Joe Garofoli and City Hall reporter Mal. Valerie Mensch about the results as we know them very early Wednesday morning. Before we go, let's hear from Contra Costa County's Tommy Gong one last time on why he's decided to continue his work as an election official and what makes him feel hopeful. I would admit I was feeling a little burned out, especially after that 2020 election, but I still have this burning desire to conduct elections and to reflect the will of the voters. And I know this all sounds patriotic, but there is this thing that you feel about as you're conducting elections that you are playing a central role. And so that's what drives me. And to see the voters really be able to cast their votes and let their voices be heard and that we're part of the democratic process. You know, we're part of what makes America, America. If you haven't turned in your ballot yet and will be visiting a polling place today, be sure to thank your polling election workers. Thank you to King Kaufman for editing this episode and to you for listening.